Hello, friends and church leaders. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we offer practical advice and insights to help you get better equipped, lead more effectively, and to help your church thrive. I'm your host, Becky Holton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Carrie Holton. Yeah, baby. The pandemic ultra partner. (laughs) (laughs) We've been seeing a lot of each other in the last nine months, haven't we? Well, I think if we ever retire, which I don't anticipate, but if we ever retire, we'll have it down pat about being in the same location. (laughs) I think so. Well, babe, I've got a question for you to get us started in this podcast. Okay. Now, we've been to ministry all of our lives, right? Yes. We've worked with local churches in Oklahoma, Connecticut, New Mexico, and Texas, right? Yes. We've taught in a Christian college. We've worked to plant churches in Chicago, right? Right. So what's your question, boyfriend? (laughs) Well, while we have been in ministry all of our lives, we've lived in many places. We didn't stay too long at any one place. I think the longest we stayed in one place was eight years. So we moved around a lot. Yeah, I think one was nine. Okay. But so what's your question? (laughs) Okay, here it is. Because I don't like to talk about moving. <laughs> okay, no, I don't either. Do you think there was ever a time when we moved from certain places before we should have? Should we have stayed longer with some churches than we did? What in the world has brought this question on? Well, I've been reading about longevity in ministry and how that longevity in ministry is an enormous plus. Uh, no one would deny that, right? Right, right. And that reading has made me wonder if we moved from some churches before we should have. Hmm. Well, let's talk about longest, longevity in ministry, if I can say it. <laughs> According to your reading and your experience, why is longevity such an advantage? Okay. Well, I think there may be several advantages to longevity. First of all, time gives the minister rapport with the congregation and the community. The kind of rapport that leads to effectiveness takes time to develop. You'd probably agree with that, right? I would. How much time are you talking? Good question. Well, you're welcome. Well, I've read, and and I believe it's true, that really productive ministry doesn't emerge until around the seventh or eighth year. Really? That's interesting. That's really interesting. What other reasons do you have in mind why longevity in a certain work might be advantageous? I mean, what's the big deal about it? Yeah, well, another reason is that the needs of a church become clearer as time goes on. Mm -hmm. And just as it takes time for a minister to establish rapport with the church and a community, it takes time for a minister to identify the needs of a particular group of people. And identifying the needs of a particular group of people would be a good thing. Right. Okay. Another reason, and I think this is a big one, is that people gain confidence in the permanence of their leaders. Another way of saying this is that it takes time to build trust between a church and a minister. And why is trust important? It takes trust before change is possible. More are willing to make significant changes when they trust those who are promoting those changes. 
I think that's a very good point. You know, I heard something like what you're saying that applied to the business world. Mm. Uh, The author was listing reasons why businesses do not change. And he said that many people who work for corporations, they feel they tend to feel powerless. And the reason was because they don't feel like they're trusted. And the author stated that a lack of trust in leadership is why businesses either don't change or are very slow to change. Well, that's interesting. I think there's a parallel. I think there's a parallel. Well, trust, it's crucial. Right. And it does take time to develop the kind of trust that allows people to feel comfortable with change. Many years ago, I read an article in Leadership Magazine. It was a magazine for church leaders, and the author stated that ministers and their churches go through a cycle. He said the first two years, the minister can do no wrong. The next two years, the minister can do nothing right. (laughs) In years five and six, a minister either leaves the church where he is serving or those who criticize him leave. And the author stated that if a minister can reach year seven in ministry at a certain place, well, he's home free. The thesis of the article was that on average, it takes seven years before a church trusts her leaders. Wow, that's a long time. I know. Seven years. It is a long time. Yes, it is. But maybe that is another reason why longevity in a local work is an advantage. True. The longer you are at a certain place, the greater likelihood that the church will trust you. And with that trust, the greater likelihood that changes can be made that really do lead to growth. I can see that another, I can, I can see that. And, and I, along with that, I can see that another advantage has to do with the minister's family. Um, because I think longevity really contributes to family stability. You know, for example, I've heard that if a minister has children in high school, that might not be a good time to uproot the family and start over someplace. Um, you know, I'm a preacher's child, and I ended up going to three high schools, and that was a little rough. Mm-hmm. It was a little hard. Children, I know, do tend to be resilient, but I can see how longevity is good for the family, and there's no need to really push those resiliency, you know, boundaries if you don't have to. And on the other side, when a minister stays in one place for a long time, the church can watch the minister's family grow and develop through the various stages of family life, and they'll gain a greater appreciation for the minister. I think they gain a greater bonding and connection with the minister and the family. I think a a church can often really gain respect for their minister when they see his family develop over time. Folks, we will return to our conversation on longevity and ministry in a brief moment. But before we do, I want to let you know that we are opening another online class of the Effective Church Leaders Workshop on February the 22nd. There is no doubt that healthy and growing churches require healthy leadership teams. And whether those leadership teams are ministry staffs, elderships, or ministry leaders, those teams really do need to be healthy and high-performing for their church to thrive. They need to know how to build trust, as we've been talking about. They need to know how to manage conflict, how to gain organizational clarity by learning how to identify their mission, vision, and strategy. They need to learn how to embrace accountability and to focus 
focused on results. These are the themes that are discussed in this six-hour online workshop. As I said, a new online class is beginning next week, February 22. If you might be interested in registering for this online workshop, and I mean, hey, why wouldn't you be? Just go to our website at effectivechurchleaders.com. Click on the Register Now tab on the homepage and do your church and the Lord a favor. Register for this workshop. Hun, you mentioned the stages of family life and how advantageous it might be for a church to witness a minister's family as they grow and develop. Well, we might also mention the stages of church life. When a minister stays in one place for a long time, the minister is able to see the stages a church goes through. For example, you're able to see the birth of a baby and the growth of that baby into a child and then into a person who decides to become a follower of Jesus and to be baptized and to see the marriage of that person and perhaps even the death of that person. So, As a minister, you're able to see the whole life cycle and be there to witness the cycle at every stage in human development. I think that must be a plus for the minister and the church, that the minister is there for all of these stages. I see your point, and I can see how longevity at a certain place could be very advantageous and beneficial to the cause of Christ. I think all you would need to do to prove your point is to ask churches who have high and frequent turnover of their ministry staff, how that's working for you, (laughs) you know, Um, as a famous TV personality often says, that's a good question. How's it working? You know, in most cases, it's just not healthy for a church to replace ministers every two to three years. Uh, there's such a long process in that. Sending sending out notices, getting all the resumes, forming a committee, it can go on for months. And church leaders, as you know, they really dread that process. Well, they do. It's not easy. No, it takes a lot of time, and often the mission of the church comes to a standstill there you go. when that's happening. And as you say, it really takes time for healthy growth to occur, and churches threaten their growth and health by high minister turnover. And as we said, everything comes to a standstill to standstill to some degree when you're always searching for another minister. Right, right. Another thing I read once, and, you know, I can't remember the source. It was information shared in a graduate class that I took once upon a time, a long time ago. In and, a land far, far yes, away. Yes, and I didn't write down the source of this information. I wish I had now. But the information is still helpful, I think. It's an identification of the developmental stages in ministry. Hmm. The author had identified five strategic stages in ministry development. After introducing the stages by affirming that all relationships undergo change, he stated that the first stage of ministry is getting acquainted. We've called this stage the honeymoon stage in the past, This is the time when a minister and a church are getting to know each other. And actually, maybe a better term for this stage might be the suspended judgment stage. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I've heard you say before that a church doesn't really know 
what they have in a new minister until that minister is hired and actually comes to the church to begin his or her ministry. Mm -hmm. You know, you can pour over all the resumes and recommendations that you want, but you don't really know what you will get until you hire the person. And I guess it would go the other way around, too. A minister doesn't know what church uh, is the church is really like until they move there to the church and begin the ministry. Right. I think what you've heard me say before is much rawer than that. I think I've said something like a church, uh, you don't know what you get. It's, it's Hiring a minister is a crapshoot. You don't know what you get until say that, on this that minister comes. Yeah, I think so. I just did. Okay. Well, I mean, it makes sense. People are, they're not one dimensional. When you're looking at a resume and even the, hi, how are you, where everybody is nice on the interviews, that's not real life. So it makes sense that you're not going to know the real person and they're not going to know the real church because everybody's dressed in their quote Sunday best when right. they're together. Right. So there you go. It takes time. Yeah, I think this first stage is the stage in which both the minister and the church are saying essentially we will suspend judgment on this relationship until we see it in action and give it a little more time. Right. And by the way, you know, I I have thought that it would be a good idea, and some might disagree with me here, especially ministers, I guess. I thought it would be a good idea for church leaders and ministers to make an agreement that the first couple of years or so are probationary. That's probably a notion that we don't want to develop in this podcast, but I see value in both minister and church saying, okay, this relationship might not work out. We hope it does. And we're going to work hard to make it work, but we reserve the right to terminate the employment if after a certain period of time we decide that it's not in the best interests of you or us to continue the relationship. Well, I think that's an idea that is worthy of thought in my consideration, but I would certainly throw in some caveats that we've talked about before. Sure. There have to be expectations up front. It can't be a big guessing game. There has to be on either side, you know, what the church will do and what the minister will do. Exactly right. And there has to be healthy communication ongoing. It can't be where people get blindsided on either side. And I think if that's going on, then it will be an easy decision to say, you know what, we're just not a good match oh, for yeah. each other. But that hijacking and surprise attack in elders' meetings or vice versa, that's for the birds. It certainly is. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, you know, after a period of time realizing that this is just not a good match. But uh, I think if you've been communicating, both of you are going to know it. I agree entirely. I so, agree entirely. But I, I like what you're saying, though, that just because... It's bad we don't have to stay in it for longevity's sake. Yeah. Maybe we get into that more in some other future podcast. But anyway, here is the second stage of development in ministry. The first was getting acquainted, and the second is getting established. In this stage of ministry, the minister is building people's trust. He or she is establishing their own routine, and they are establishing their role in the congregation. That's the second stage. The third stage is getting rolling. I've heard it said that the third year of ministry is one of the most crucial for either you start going forward, making progress, or you become stagnant. I like that. The third year may be when a minister starts delegating and widening his or her responsibilities, and some 
have labeled the third year as the third year doldrums. Hmm. Okay, that's the third stage. Well, that tells you if it's called doldrums, it's stagnation. Exactly. The fourth stage in ministry development is the getting insight stage. As a minister feels more comfortable in the ministry and gets to know what the needs of the church are and gets to know the people better, this is the stage when the minister's influence can grow. And in this stage, the choice is between becoming isolated and having a bigger influence, both in the church and in the community. So you can see why it would take time yes. to develop this stage in the ministry. And finally, the fifth stage of ministry, the author said, was the getting credit stage. He said this is the stage when a minister has gained the confidence of the people and has established a better rapport with the people. And honey, would you care to guess when the author believed ministers reached this fifth stage, getting credit? 38 years. <laughs> well, no, no. Not I quite. guess I guess probably I would hope it would be 5 or 6, but I'm I don't know, it might be longer. You know, I've wondered what it might be like to stay in a place for 38 or 40 years. Yeah, we've never done that, have we? We never did that. Mm-mm. I've I've always been a little bit envious of ministers who stayed someplace for 40 years. I just see a lot of advantages to that. You know, we both uh, are both of our fathers We're ministers, Mm -hmm. and you and I both moved quite a bit growing up. That was just protocol. You didn't stay long. Right. We stayed one place 10 years, and that was a bit of anomaly, you know. And I think when we were in ministry, that was starting to get a little longer, although there were still some churches that just felt like, oh, we've had them for three years. It's time for them to go. But I do think it was starting to elongate a little bit more when we were in ministry for some churches. And I do think that's better now than it used to be. But there is still some of that thinking that ministers are dispensable and they can, you can just send them on. Packing, right. You right. Know. Well, anyway, this fifth stage in ministry Uh, The author believed that ministers reached this stage around the 8th to the 10th year. Well, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, I would hope it would be shorter, but... Right. Again... Yeah, you have to do a lot of work um, to get to that place. Again, it takes a while to establish the kind of trust that makes progress and growth possible, which, again, is another reason to stay in one place for a lengthy period of time. Well, I think we've given both ministers and church leaders something to think about in this podcast. And to ministers, we would say, uh, plan to stay a good long while at a certain place. Don't look to move away quickly. Don't always be eager to go where you might think the grass is greener. Mm -hmm. And to church leaders, we would say, plan to keep your ministers a good long while if you can, and if it's in the best interests of the church. And that's a, a very important point. And plan to enter into a long-term relationship with your ministers. I like that, hun. But guess what? You still haven't answered my question. Do you think we moved from some places before we should have? <laughs> well, maybe I'll attempt to answer that question in our ne- next podcast. <laughs> we need to sign off now. It's time. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll give you more time to think about that question. Maybe we can discuss it next week. Maybe. Maybe not. We've had some lively <laughs> conversations about this before. I, 
Um, you mean the two of us have? Oh, yes, yes, we, we have. have. Yes, we have. <laughs> and maybe we'll talk about it, and maybe we won't. And I'm sure it's absolutely time for us to put a bow on this podcast and call it a day. <laughs> okay. So thanks for listening, friends. We really do ap- appreciate it. And we'll plan to return next week with another episode of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we offer practical advice and insights to help you get better equipped, lead more effectively, and help your church thrive. 